We have been in a series called Love One Another uh, since past week, and we started it. And if you missed it, don't worry. You can always catch it online on Spotify, iTunes, all that jazz. Make sure to go check it out. It is so important that you grab the first part because the rest of the series, where we're talking about relationships, will make sense to a certain degree, but you got to get the first part. It's about love and the importance to understand how because God loves us, we now know how to love and we can do that in all sorts of relationships all around us, from our friendships to those relationships that are, you know, are dating, romantic, all that kind of stuff. But today we are going to be talking about being single, part two, being single, and not just from any point of view, we're going to be talking about it from the point of view as a Jesus follower. See, the question that we all ask as followers of Jesus who may be single when it comes to relationships is, well, how do I honor God in my relationships? How do I set myself up for success as well, though, so that, you know, I'll have a good relationship, a dating relationship, a marriage in the end? We ask questions like, how do we look for a partner? What, what do we look for in the right person? What, what, you know, what, are, what are the kind of questions we got to ask? What are the things that I have to do now as a single person to set myself up so I can meet and know and be the right person later on? What do I have to do now to get me there? And especially if you're not a believer in Jesus and you're like, listen, I'm just coming, I'm just checking it out. Somebody told me to come check out a relationship series. I'm down for some free advice. Listen, you know, you're definitely going to get some good advice here. But I got to tell you, we're going to come at it from, from the perspective of God because this is what we believe. And before you tune out, listen, this is what we believe, that God created relationships. And that if he created relationships, it means he got the blueprint if you really want to succeed, you got to go to the guy who has the blueprint for relationships. Go to him for the advice and the insight. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to jump into the scriptures to see what God has to say about being single and prepared when it comes to all sorts of relationships. And the way we're going to address this, I just realized that I was supposed to have a big paintbrush and a smaller, finite thinner paintbrush, but that's okay. Uh, regardless, it was just an illustration to let you know that there were two major categories that we were going to address this question from today. One of them, which is, you can imagine, the larger paintbrush, what I'm calling the, the broad stroke or the big picture idea of what it means to be single and to honor God in that. And then the other question is, well, all the smaller questions, the finite, the, the, the detailed stroke, the, the smaller questions, the thing that, you know, don't necessarily get answered all the time, then we're going to focus on those questions. But first, we've got to address the, 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 the big picture before we can get to the more detailed picture. So that's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to jump in. And to understand the major goal of being single and knowing how to succeed at that as a follower of Jesus Christ, we've got to go to a church in Corinth many years ago. In fact, Paul the Apostle, who had this uh, life-changing, miraculous experience of, of meeting God and, and Jesus just changed his life forever, started this church in Corinth. And, and this church in Corinth, it started, it, you know, it did what typical you know, new church plants uh, would do, meet and gather and all that kind of stuff. But along some time, what happened was they got into some problems because they had a warped view of relationships, of marriage, of singlehood. 
They didn't know what it meant to be a healthy single person or a healthy married person. There were these kind of two categories of people. One group of people that were like, no, sex is sin. Don't do anything with a person. The people, men, men and women who were even married would not, you know, have intimate relations with their own spouses. There were people who were single who were like, no, we can never get married because that's a sin. Then there were the other groups of people that were like, listen, Jesus came. He's our Messiah. We have been glorified. Let's just have sex with everybody, you know, and then that's song, right? Uh, well, uh, anyhow, I won't get into it because that might be a little inappropriate. But regardless, we just, everybody was like going around, sleeping with prostitutes and doing things like, and you're a Christian, what? Because they had a broken view of what relationships and sex and, and how to maneuver all of those conversations. And so in a letter to Paul, as they write to Paul, you know, their, their, their leader, their mentor, the person who started them, uh, uh, Paul, they make a statement. They don't even really ask a question. They make a statement, which we're going to get into in the next few weeks because today is about singlehood, not really about dating and marriage. But they get into uh, 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 this conversation because Paul then addresses singlehood and he addresses what it means to be a healthy person as a single person who serves and loves God. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8 to 9. That's where we're going to be today. So this is what Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. He says, now to the unmarried. Now, l- let me just pause there for a second. The unmarried are you, are, are the people who are single, who are, who are, or even dating, who, who are basically not married yet, who haven't made that lifelong commitment, all of you into this category. And then he also includes widows because there were a lot of widows as well, people who, uh, who had lost their uh, spouses. And so he, he's speaking to you specifically, you know, so high alert, open your eyes, open your ears, get ready to see what Paul says. He says, now to the unmarried and to the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. All of you, all of a sudden just went, what, right, right? Because that's your typical reaction. I remember the first time I read this, I'm like, but Paul, I need a relationship. Paul, what are you talking about? I don't want to be single all my life. That might be your response. Or that may be your thought process. That's okay, that's okay. Let's just finish what Paul is saying. He says, uh, 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 it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. What Paul is really getting at with that, later on he actually explains this. That when marriage... What happens is you have many hardships that when you actually get into a marriage, your heart starts to divide a little because now your desires aren't just about you know, less of me and more of God. Now it's less of me, more of God, and now there's this third person that you're trying to include in the conversation. He says your desires, your devotion, your tension will be divided in the end and to the point where in fact this has happened and maybe this is you, you're listening, you're like, we're a married couple, I'm just checking in, you know, he listened to this marriage series and maybe this has been your story where you're like somehow your entire life, even though you call yourself the believers of, in Jesus Christ, your entire relationship has become you and your spouse and maybe your kids if you have kids and God's not even in the picture, he's just something you do on Sundays. That's a natural tendency because of our sin-filled world that we would fall into this place where we almost push God aside. In fact, one pastor said it this way. My my wife gave me this quote. Uh, 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 One pastor said it this way. He's like, the only thing I ever got from marrying my wife is more problems. I didn't say that. That was not my quote. That was not, I'm not that, that's not. But, but, and as much as like you get that and you're like, is that really true? In a sense that is that without God, 
That you have one person with baggage, with scars, with past, and another person with baggage and, 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 and then past and scars and all that stuff, and they come together, and without God helping them through the situation, it's just going to be a mess with a mess just gets you a bigger mess. And, but, but here's the thing. Here's some hope, okay? With God, there is a way through that. that there is a way to maneuver and to succeed at relationships and that comes with God in the center of your relationship. So we're going to get to that uh, at some point as well. But I think we can all agree that subliminally, we all understand and we all see that this is kind of true. That in relationships, people are going to have hard times. Right? We kind of know this. Think about every wedding ceremony you've ever been to. The thing that they always do, the vows, why do they do that in front of a whole bunch of people? I promise to stay with you when it gets what? Hard. I promise to. Why? It's kind of like they're assuming, well, things might get hard and we got to stay together, right? So it's like this is something that we know that in relationships, it's not going to be easy, which is why the verse before Paul, in fact, says that he wishes that we all had the gift of singleness. And basically what he's trying to do is save us from all of this pain so that we don't have to struggle through the ups and the downs and maneuvering each other because it is hard. It absolutely is hard. Anybody that tells you that marriage is a breeze, that is not the true story. It's not impossible to succeed. You need God in the middle. But with God, without God, I personally will say, I don't know how people stay married and have a healthy relationship without God in the center of their marriage and relationship. Before I go anywhere else, I, I wanted to take this detour because there's this culture around the word celibacy and around this idea of how God has called me to be single. And I really wanted to address this because I feel like in church culture especially, this has been so overused and abused and we have to get this right. When Paul talks about the gift of singleness, he calls it a gift. The Greek word is charisma. It is specifically a gift, a spiritual empowerment, a divine endowment that comes on you, enables you to do something special for God through this unique gifting. And yet what we've done in our church culture, you have to raise your hands up, you don't have to put your hands up in the chat, but in what we've done in our church culture today is if we can't find someone, if we struggle, if we start to lose hope, What's our natural go-to? We start to think, well, maybe God has given me the gift of singleness. Even though we have a deep desire for companionship, somehow our cop-out response is to use God as the reason, like, ah, well, I guess I can't find anybody. But church, that's not how spiritual gifts work. That is not how God gives you a spiritual gift. In fact, I believe that the gift of singleness is a strength you have that enables you to be single and to serve God through that. And I also believe that that gift is very rare, much rarer than we will actually acknowledge in the church. And we have to be so careful when we use that kind of language to, ex to, to, to kind of excuse ourselves or to justify some of the failures of our past in dating and relationships. But instead, what we actually have to do is approach God and approach relationships the right way without using something that is pure, that is powerful, that is good, which is the gift of singleness, as a cop-out and as a reason to say, you know what, I'm just going to give up. 
In fact, what Paul says is this, and, and, and maybe you've said this before, maybe you've thought it before, you've never said it, but you've been burning with passion. You have a desire for a companion, for a partner in life. You know what Paul says to you? He says, listen, you got passion, you got a desire, go get married. He's like, do it. The next, next verse, verse 9. But if they cannot control themselves, somebody needs to highlight this. They should marry. The easiest word you can just take it and be like, I need to get married because I have passion. Just, that's okay. That's not a bad thing. Paul is saying this for this reason because you need to be able to marry. It's not a sin. It's not a bad thing. It is something that is good from God if you take it in that way. In fact, he clarifies it even more in an earlier verse in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 2, just a few verses before this. He says, but since sexual immorality is occurring, meaning since sexual sin is occurring, is all around us, especially today, I don't have my phone on me, but our phones alone outbeat anything I can think of. You just have to go to Instagram, Snapchat, or Facebook, or whatever, and there's constantly images and things that are reminding us and pointing us to things that will corrupt our minds sexually, that's sexually immoral. And yet what he says, because sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife, and each woman with her own husband. What Paul is saying is, guys, 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 it's better to get married for the most because most of you don't really have the gift of singleness. I wish you did, but you don't. And because of our current state of how sexual immorality, not just in the Corinthian church, but in general is growing and is worsening as the decades go by, it's like each person should have their own spouse. I took all of that time because it's so important for you to acknowledge it's not wrong to get married. It's not wrong to have a partner. I know some people can actually get down that path, and you need to hear that from, from Paul and from God himself. After making all of these points, Paul basically saying, listen, 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 if you're single, and you can stay single, and, 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 and you're sensing an actual gifting from God, okay, great, stay single. If you are desiring to be with someone to get married, okay, get married. That's also okay. That's good. If you, in fact, he says a few verses later, which just to save time, we're not going to go through it. But if you're married, don't leave your marriage. Stay married. Because he gets to his main point, his broad stroke point, and I want you to hear this. This is Paul's main thing that he's trying to get to. In 1 Corinthians 7, 17, somebody needs to highlight this because this is going to be a verse for you. 7, 17, he says, nevertheless, regardless of anything else, Regardless of all your situations, regardless of whatever, nevertheless, each person should live as a believer, or in the Greek where what that says is live called in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them. Just as God has called them, this is the rule I lay down for all the churches. That your main focus as a single person actually is not different from those who are married. That we all are called to live as believers, or in other words, we're to live called for God, to live called as God's people. Whether you're single, whether you're divorced, whether you're widowed, whether you're married, whether you're like, I'm retired, I'm, I'm all by myself, and I got nothing else to do, your goal is to live called for God in whatever situation you find yourself in. And for those of you who are single, because today we're talking about singleness a little bit more, 
You need to hear that singleness is not a waiting period until you're married. I know sometimes we think of it that way. That's because the culture pushes that on us to think that way, to believe that. But that is not true. You are to live called in whatever season, in whatever situation. He says that over and over and over again in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. Whatever you may be, wherever you happen to be, live called. Live as a believer for Jesus. Live in the mission and the vision that God has called you to as wherever you are, rather. And then he says something very unique. He doesn't say that all the time, but he says it here. He says, well, I make this a command for all the churches. So clear that this was so important that it actually ties into the corporate goal and the corporate mission for all followers of Jesus Christ. And so as a single person, the thing that you've got to be asking, the thing that you have to question is how are you living cult? How are you serving God on mission? How are you loving God? How are you uh, uh, going actually on mission, getting people to know about God? How are you living cult? Because if you don't have this main focus figured out, you are not ready to be in a relationship. You really are not. Because this is so crucial to even finding a partner. We're going to get to marriage later on. But this is so crucial to, to live called now, wherever you happen to be. Which is, a, this is the, the stepping stone which we're going to get to. To getting into a relationship. See, what'll happen is you'll find yourself in a mess of a relationship if you're not living called and start dating. And not, you're not living called for God, but you're off trying to marry someone. You'll find yourself in problems that you're like, I have no idea how to deal with this. I have no solutions. And you'll feel lost. And going back to our first sermon, that living called, in fact, shows you and allows you to experience the love of God. That without knowing and understanding God's love in our own life, we won't be able to fully love our spouse, love the person we're dating, care for them with the genuineness of how we describe love as sacrificial, covenantal, and, and, and unconditional, and, and so on. And so this is so crucial to focus on the relationship between you and God. Learn what it means to live called in your life right now. How are you serving God in your life right now? because that will set you up when you start asking those more detailed questions. So with that, we're gonna move to the next section. Well, with the detailed part of the whole process, I have more questions. Like, what do I need to be looking for? How do I know if someone, you know, uh, if, if, if I should be interested or should be, you know, looking and, and paying more attention to certain people? Because right now I'm living as a believer, pastor, I'm living all the things that you just said. I'm living as a believer in all situations. What, what do I do though? Well, we're going to walk through a few points and none of these are in any specific order. But as I was kind of just praying through and asking God just through my own life and my own experience, along with scripture and the wisdom that comes from scripture, what does it look like to be a healthy single person that is living called for God who's also looking for a relationship? Or maybe not. First we have to do is rewire our minds to understanding God, mankind, and purpose. 
We have to see this wretched uh, mindset that the world brainwashes us into thinking is this, is the idea of individualism, which is the culture of self-indulgence, which is just the me, me, me first ideology. That in fact, then we walk into relationships with this back, like overhead thought process of individualism, and we walk into singleness and say, well, it's just all about me. We walk into marriage and we're just like, well, it's all about me. We walk into dating and it's like, well, it's just all about me. Walk into, in fact, some of us walk into faith and to God and just say, well, I'm the center of it all. Everything around me, everything, everybody is just around me, there to serve me. And it's this corrupt worldview that we have bought from the world, that Satan has sold to the world of individualism, which is totally not the truth. In fact, when you start living called, you start to recognize that we are there simply to surround God, who is the center of all things. And it's the moment that we catch that glimpse and catch that vision that we're here to fellowship together as a community of believers and worship our God. That then, living called is very different. Then we start learning what love is what marriage really is, what relationship, and what the, what the whole purpose of dating and relationship is about. But unless we do this rewire and stop focusing on ourselves and start focusing on the others, we will continuously fail at marriages and relationships and friendships. In fact, living called enables you to do that because God's purpose is always less of me and more of others. How do I serve the others? How do I serve the people who are lost, the people who are less fortunate? How do I show love which, which takes from me but gives to another, which are all principles that you will soon learn apply so heavily into a marriage, into a healthy marriage. And so that's the first thing. And there are tons of other things you have to do, like what you read, what you watch, the kinds of things that you focus on, how to re-understand a godly perspective of relationships and friendships and, and, and you. But once you get that, you have to understand this next point, which is you attract the kind of person, sorry, you attract the right kind of person when you're living called. You, did you get that? Sorry, I, I murmured over my words, but let me say that again. You attract the right kind of person when you're living called. See, when you're not living called and you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, you're going to attract the people who, are, who, who you're not actually supposed to be with, the people who are not really in the place where you're supposed to be with. If you're off doing drugs and off doing all that kind of stuff, you're not going to attract the right kind of people. It's when you are living called, when you are obeying God, that you will attract. The wrong people will always be attracting. Satan always going to throw temptation in your face. But that's when you will also attract the right kind of people, the right kind of people that you should be surrounding yourself with, that you should be considering as you're like, are these people that, uh, is there a person here that I could potentially date? Or are these people, people that I can really be good, good friends with? I have a friend who uh, uh, had a deep desire to get married, but he knew his mission. He knew right now God was calling him to be a missionary. Young dude, and so he's like, I'm gonna go and just do what God has called me to do. Regardless of my desire, I wish I could go with my wife, but you know what? There's nobody on the horizon. I'm just going to live called. He goes. He comes back with a girl. There was another girl across the world who had the same mindset, who was going to the same place where he was going, and they met on the mission field. Not even the same organization. Talk about God ordained. When you live called, when you focus on God and just give of yourself and let him take care of the rest, things will fall into place more naturally. Now, there are other things that they obviously did. But what I say is you attract the right kind of person 
when you're living called. And that's the example we need to follow. God, I'm focused on your mission. I'm focused on your calling of what you've called me to do. That includes a part of myself as well, working on myself, which we're gonna get to. But that's when we'll start to recognize the right kind of people. And in fact, what's even more important is the right kind of approaches. Now we're gonna talk about marriage and dating soon, but I want to give this, 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 just this one thought before, because I feel like it's so important for you, if you're single and thinking and hearing, and I know a lot of our church, especially are single individuals, so I know this, this, this plays a huge impact for you as well. Your friendships now will affect your relationships later. The kind of friends that you have around you right now will affect your relationships, the kind of people you say yes to or no to later. And so the thing that you should be doing in a single season is working on your friendships before anything else, other than God, obviously, but working on your friendship before really thinking about a relationship and a dating thing and all that kind of stuff. Working on being a good friend, helping a friend move, you know, giving something of your friend that may cost you of something, purely for their sake, learning to love your friends, learning to, to grow deep in relationship and, friend, and, and, and just, you know, uh, make those deep friendship bonds with people, having spiritual conversations with your friends. Some of y'all just want to jump from, I don't really got many friends, I don't really know how to be a good friend to, yo, just get me hooked, just get me dating, I just want to be with someone, just get me there. You can't jump this hoop. You can't jump because because you have to first know how to be a good friend. And if you've not been doing that at all, what makes you think that you're going to succeed at relationships? And so work on your friendships. Work on being a good friend first because that will go a long way. In fact, a huge part of accountability later on and a huge part of even just like, like, like vetting other kinds of people and, and having you know, a group of people that are praying for you, that are caring for you later on is so crucial to the kind of friends that you make right now. Some of you have very non-Christian friends who are heavy influencers in your life. And I'd be very careful. This has nothing to do against non-Christian people at all, it's just, Here's my question. What kind of wisdom do you want to value? What kind of wisdom do you want to value? The wisdom that comes from God or the wisdom that comes from the world? I would say go to God and, and be like, God, I want your wisdom, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surround myself with people who love you and, and a godly counsel so that I know that I'm following you when it comes time for those kind of things. I'm jumping ahead of, I'm jumping ahead of, ahead of myself. That's, that's like two weeks down. I'm going I'm to I'm backtrack a little bit. Point four, cherish your singleness. I know some of you are like, but Pastor Ruben, I don't want to. I just want to be with someone. Please, can't I just find someone? I understand. Listen, listen. I was single at one point too. You know? I was single. So I understand. In fact, Pastor back then has a sermon that says the exact same thing while I was single. Because it is so important to cherish your singleness. Not to rush into a relationship in, with haste, but be diligent about the kinds of choices you make. There's a proverb that says this, Proverbs 21.5, says the plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to what? Leads to poverty. And yet some of you are not willing to cherish what God has given you, the gift and the season that God has already called you in, and instead you're trying to haste into something. I'm not saying there's no, you know, don't advance, don't make steps, all that kind of stuff. That's not what haste is. Haste is making decisions erratically, without wisdom, without counsel, without the right steps in place. 
And some of you are hasting. So be patient. Take a step back and ask God, hey, how do I approach this the right way? In the same season, some of the things that you need to focus on is things like growing more emotionally and spiritually, maturing, becoming healthy uh, emotionally and spiritually as a single person. Because if you do this now as a single person, working on your emotional health, working on your spiritual health, becoming the person that God so desires you to be, when it's time for a relationship, you're gonna succeed a lot easier than when it comes to if you still have tons of festering baggage that you have undealt, undealt with. And so here's a wise counsel, work on those things. Don't put it aside and get distracted with all the feels and the rom-coms, but focus on the things that you know will help you get to the place where you will succeed more at relationships. Because singlehood, and I'm just piggybacking off each point here, but singlehood is a season to discover you. In fact, it's when I first started dating and I started like going on coffee dates that I started to recognize, man, this is who I am. This is who I'm not. And I wish I had done this. I wish I had been more wiser about figuring out more parts of me and understanding more of myself. But I did it later on. It's not like it's impossible, but it is wiser to do it before, to work on understanding who you are, to understand who God has made you to be. The next thing that I feel like is super important to say, because sometimes peer pressure gets in the way, is you have to reject the power of peer pressure. There's, there's, this, there's this like thing in church culture especially where we look down on single people and look up to married people. You ever seen that? You ever experienced that? And it's false, it's totally wrong. In fact, Paul himself, you gotta see the kinds of things that he says. Where it's not like there's kind of like this two-tier discipleship, you know, type of thing. In fact, what, what God really is saying is don't give in to these peer pressures. Instead, what you ought to be doing as a single person is what you, leaning in to what God is saying. You see, a huge part of this whole thing that I think might have just gotten missed is that Paul was a single person as well. Paul himself was like, yo, I'm single. I mean, in the scriptures you say, just, he says, just as I. And yet we wouldn't call Paul a second-rate disciple. Instead, what you ought to do is if you're, you know, if you're content as a single person, serving God, living called, do that faithfully. There's no peer pressure. You must get married because that's some greater worth or value. No. Honor God with your relationship, with whatever, wherever you happen to be. But then some of you need to learn the power of also saying no. Because some of you are not ready to be in that relationship, and because of the peer pressure, you're like, man, I'm just gonna do it. You need to learn the power of saying, no, I'm not ready, I'm not in that season. Instead, I need to be working more on myself to get to a place where I'm like, yeah, I, th I think I'm ready to date. Lastly, You've heard of this idea, and I really wanted to address this one idea because it's pretty popular in church culture as well. Where you've, you've heard of the idea, well, where, where, whereas you've got to be content. You heard of that before? You've got to be content as a single person before you can think about dating. 
And I think there's this huge misconception as to what that really means, and I want to clarify. When we say, in our culture, when we say, well, we need to be content, it's almost like we're saying contentment and companionship are incompatible. You heard me, right? It's like you're saying contentment and companionship are incompatible, which is not true. Contentment refers to the relationship between you and God. And yes, unless you are fully content, fully satisfied, enjoying God, healthy, growing in your relationship with God, unless you're content between you and God, yes, you won't be able to enjoy and you're not ready for a relationship, absolutely, which is why new believers, you really need to be working on your faith more than thinking about a girl or a guy. But companionship, it's not a bad thing. In fact, companionship is a healthy desire for a partner in life, and I believe Paul would agree with me in saying that you're not sinning if you desire companionship, desire for someone that, that you could share your life with and be with. See, I say it like this, being content as a single person isn't the absence of desire, but the choice to surrender whatever the outcome. I'm gonna say that again. Being content as a single person isn't the absence of desire, but the choice to surrender whatever the outcome. That's where real contentment is. Whether you're single and you're content, just you and God. Whether you're single and you desire companionship, but you're content between you and God. It's choosing to surrender your desires and put your hope in God, trusting that God has a plan and a future for you. And this ends us well because you get kind of both pictures, how the broad stroke is in all situations, live called for Jesus. Whether you're single, whether you're married, whatever situation you find yourself in, live called for God as God's people. And then the detailed stroke, the, 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 more, the minute, the specific picture of how this is a season, not only to enjoy, but to work and to grow as an individual so you understand who God has made you to be. So that when it is time, and you do meet that special someone, you'll be in a better and a healthier place. And I say this last part out of love for, for you guys because I've seen this um, over different situations. How I've seen couples who uh, um, would have worked so great together if they were just a little further along uh, individually, if they were a little further along, if they had worked on, their self, worked on themselves a little bit more, if they were more emotionally and spiritually mature, if they uh, just experienced some more things in life, some relationships would have grown and become much more mature and would have ended and flourished. And so here's my call to you. For those of you who are like, man, I really, I really desire to 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 see things work out the right way, this is the number one thing you've got to do, is continue to work on yourself. Continue to work on yourself as, a, as an emotional person, as a, as a spiritual person, as a physical person, all around, as you continue to love God and to serve God and to serve all the people that God has called you to serve. Because what that's going to do is set you up so that you are approaching the relationship the right way.